Hi, everyone. This is the latest episode of uh, Dialogues on Applied Channel Theory. I'm here with uh, Nisa in New York. I'm in Jonathan in Beijing. And today, we're going to talk about facial paralysis from yeah. the perspective of Applied Channel Theory, or Dr. Wong's mm -hmm. approach. And Nisa, do you want to, you have a very interesting experience with facial paralysis. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do. Um, so I, uh, I was in Beijing studying with Dr. Wang from, uh, it was like 2004 to 2005. Um, and that first winter that I was there, you know, um, uh, a friend of mine from the States who was also studying, you know, we would ride our bikes to the clinic and through the winter, you know, Beijing has these wide streets and it's very windy. And so we'd ride our bikes through the streets. Um, to get to clinic every day. And, um, and in clinic during that time, in the fall and winter, um, we were seeing just so many Bell's palsy cases um, at different stages, uh, either super acute or people who were um, dealing with, you know, like um, uh, sort of like ongoing symptoms, like even years after first getting Bell's palsy. So there's a lot of like facial twitching or facial numbness. Um, there's one patient for Dr. Wang treated for a long time who um, like the Bell's palsy had gotten so bad that like, um, like the skin on that side of his face had actually turned kind of like this like dark brown color. Um, so real like kind of like stasis that was like locked into the muscles. And anyway, so we were treating or, you know, we were watching Dr. Wang treat a lot of these cases um, and, you know, he would talk to us about, you know, sort of like wind and, you know, we were talking about sort of um, the pathophysiology of it. Um, and in the meantime, biking to clinic in the wind and, you know, and it became sort of a joke with us, you know, like we would be like, like, I don't know, like uh, we would just like be like, oh, be careful or you're going to get Bell's palsy. It was just like the stupid joke. Um, and then... Uh, at the time I was swimming at this pool in Beijing and uh, indoor pool. And the, one day I left and I was in a rush. So I had wet hair and I was standing and waiting for the bus. And I remember this gust of wind coming down, like uh, I think it was like Dianmen or something like, you know, a big road and this wind just came down. And I remember feeling it on the back of my neck and being like, oh, like I need to protect my neck, right? And, but I didn't think too much of it. I got home. And then the next day I woke up and the right side of my face, um, nothing had visually happened. Like I didn't get any of like the facial paralysis yet, but there was a numbness to my face. Um, and I remember Dr. Wong used to describe, or he would ask Bell's palsy patients, like, do you ever feel like there's like little bugs like crawling under your skin? And so that's what I kind of felt. I felt like there were like tiny microscopic kind of like prickles in my face um, and a numbness um, and no other symptoms, like nothing visually had changed. And so I had clinic that morning with Dr. Wong and I, between patients, I was like, Dr. Wong, I think I have Bell's palsy. But because we had been joking about it so much, <laughs> he was like, ha, 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 you don't have Bell's palsy. Look at your face. I was like, no, Dr. Wong. I was like, it feels a little numb and I feel the, like, um, the, the bugs, like, you know, uh, like crawling under my skin. And so like, he thought it was really funny, but I was like, can you palpate? 
And so he took my arm and started palpating. And then all of a sudden his face dropped because he was laughing. And then all of a sudden he was like, oh, I think you have Bell's palsy. <laughs> and it was just so, it was in the very early stages. So I didn't have like the more dramatic changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, I got to experience <laughs> um, firsthand sort of like uh, the diagnosis and the treatment. and. I thought, uh, yeah, I mean, he has such an interesting way of approaching the mm-hmm. treatment of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, John, you're still in Beijing. Do you see a lot of it? Or um, I've had only, like, uh, a couple of patients with Bell's palsy. One was, uh, I think it was a relatively acute case. Like, she just had it in a month, month long, mm-hmm. just for a month. And I just remember she was a dental hygienist. So I think she was always, like, when you look over the child's mouth, right? So it was a for uh, children so pe- i don't know what they're what are they called pediatric dental hygienists i don't know yep. for kids so uh-huh. she's always like you know head turned to the side i think that's putting a lot of strain on one part of her neck or her shoulder so anyway mm-hmm. that the side of her neck that had like more strain that was the side of her face where she got the bell's palsy mm-hmm. and um i knew i just did dr one's general approach is like not only just doing distal palpation but then palpation of the the neck region right like yes that, yeah around the uh, mastoid process that region like around mm-hmm. gb20 or uh like puncture all those that region that like bladder 10 all those areas and mm-hmm. trying to see if there's any area that is is really sensitive right and then she did have that really sensitive point at gb20 i think and i think i used that and it's more like a sanjiao a shaoyang kind of issue that was mm-hmm. causing her 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 bell spasm mm-hmm. um yeah that's what i remember it's like just having dr Wong's that knowledge of how dr Wong approaches yeah uh, the treatment of the facial process helps so much Right. Cause I think a lot of people, sometimes their immediate uh, reaction is that they just want to stick needles in the face. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when they see a patient with Bell's palsy. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that was like the, I would, you know, I mean, obviously this is a more nuanced conversation. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway is that like, yeah, he would use that area like around GB20 and really like the whole occiput and then behind the mastoid, like behind the ear and use that as a determination of whether to needle locally. So if there was any tenderness at all in that area, then he would not needle the face because he believed that the, like at that early stage, um, like the occiput nape, that area would be tender. And if you needled too quickly on the face, then it would lock the pathogen sort of into the muscles. So. Um, and he was seeing patients like that. It would be like six months, a year, two years after the Bell's palsy started, but they would have a lot of lingering symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so anyways, like that was a huge takeaway because I don't get a lot of Bell's palsy cases here in New York, but, um, but when I do, like you can really, um, it's such a noticeable difference. Like when it goes from like acute to something more chronic, um, yeah chronic um there's a, a really big shift in what the that area feels like uh, what um, what how does it feel to you um so one is like you know when it's acute it's almost like um you know like you know we talk about spaces where the channels and points are and so i feel like that space where uh function like gb20 lies like it's very tense so it's not like a nodule necessarily one it's very tender to the patient but then two, it almost feels like the, the fascia or, you know, it's like it's pulled taut. 
So instead of being like a, a palpable space, that whole area is really tight, like hypertonic. Um, and so as the condition changes, then it will get less tender for the patient, like their objective sort of experience of it. It's less tender. And then also the space starts opening up. And so it's almost like the channel is like not fighting back as much. Um, so until that happens in the acute stage, like Dr. Wong would keep all the needles, like actually the occiput would be the closest he got to treating anything locally. Um, so, um, I mean, some, and then, you know, using obviously palpation to determine which channel was most affected. So had it, you know, was it the Xiaoyang, was it Taiyang, Yangming, you know, um, et cetera. Um, and so sometimes in the acute stages, I would see him, like it would just be like, uh, like same side, like GB20 mm -hmm. and same side Sanjo5. And that would yeah. be like the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then like, like, even without needling the face, just by needling those two points you're imagining or points like that, like distal points or one, maybe local, not local point, but one point around that neck area or occipital region where there's like uh, sensitivity, right? Like GB20 mm -hmm. or bladder 10, just by needling mm -hmm. those points, like not needling the face at all, they would already mm -hmm. show improvement, right? They'd be like, like yeah. the next time they come, they're like, you know, the forehead wrinkles might appear more or like, yeah. you know, like facial, like the cheek wrinkles on the cheek, might, those creases mm -hmm. might appear more. And like mm -hmm. that pain they have in the neck might decrease. So, yeah, yeah. So I think that's um, what's fascinating to show that you don't, at the early stages, you also don't really have to go um, directly to the face. It's not safe either, right? Like you were saying, it could make the yeah. pathogens just trapped in the uh, local area. So yeah. there's another mosquito I had to kill. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get it? No. <laughs> anyway. um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was really interesting. And like, um, I mean, as an ongoing thing, it's interesting. Like if I do find myself sort of like exposed to like some wind or cold, um, like sometimes I will feel that affected side oh, get numb again. It's almost like, you know, like, uh, I feel like whatever happened all those years ago with that channel, like it's still a little bit vulnerable to cold and wind. Mm -hmm. Um, so I will even check myself. I'll check like GB20, UB10, or like, you know, um, and if it's uh, really tender, I'll just do a distal point to just like kind of wow. like open it up and move the pathogen out. But That's interesting. Yeah. So what in the, the States, um, when you see a patient with more like chronic facial paralysis mm -hmm. or Bell's palsy, how do you like, do, is there a common cause for why it became more chronic in these cases or? from your experience? Um, I mean, the chronic cases, um, they are tough, especially if they are chronic cases that, um, like, you know, if they're sort of new patients to me, but they're already like a few years into the, um, the condition. Um, so like I had one patient, uh, Bell's the Bell's palsy was a, a result of a herpes outbreak, uh -huh. like in the ear. Um, and in that case, you know, had gone through sort of the, the Western medical treatment, which was like a lot of steroids and um, injections in the face. And, um, and so, you know, and this was also like, I was getting him as a patient two years after it happened. So there was some sort of like permanent paralysis. Um, and we were able to retrieve, you know, how Dr. Wong does all the testing of like the mm -hmm. 
um, checking the, the muscles of the face. And so we were able to kind of return a little bit of like, um, uh, what's the word, like agility of those muscles. Um, so even just like, um, you know, when you have the patient puff their cheeks mm -hmm. to see if like they can retain air or you ask if they can like drink water or brush their mm -hmm. teeth okay. Um, so he was able to finally sort of like recover a little bit of that, um, that muscle uh, um, agility, I guess. Is the word yeah, in, yeah in how china, about you like i guess in china like i like you know obviously i don't i personally haven't seen that many chronic cases of bell's palsy but just from a observation of dr wan's uh some dr wan's patients and this one patient i had like that's rare but like some of the patients in china is like i think in china it's very common that if you have facial paralysis you'll immediately go see an acupuncturist mm -hmm. so i think but in china there are a lot of different approaches to treating facial paralysis so in Beijing, some people, they will use uh, fire needling mm -hmm. on the face, right? And at least I remember Dr. Wang had a patient once who had done, had got received fire needling directly on the face after she got facial paralysis. And that just made it into a, what Dr. Wang believed, just like chronic, you know, facial paralysis. And he think, I think he said it was also caused like channel confusion in that, that general region too. Mm -hmm. um, so she had it for a number of years. And actually she knew you. I think she had known... This patient actually knew you, knew you from uh, when was Dr. One at the Tibetan hospital when you were there? Yeah, right. As you're talking about this, I'm like, I remember a patient. Okay. Um, no, there was a, like, yeah. it was a, no, it was a nurse who was working there uh -huh. who knew you at, when you were doc, the translator there. And she remembered, like, what, it was a few years later, that's when she saw Dr. Wang. She personally got facial paralysis. And then oh, she went to see wow. Dr. Wang. Like, but that was after at she had received. his private clinic. Uh -huh. No, she, this was at the Hukusa hospital. Oh, and then she had gone like to another hospital first and gotten all this fire needling treatments on her face. And that led to a very chronic issue for like, I don't remember oh. if it was a year or six months, or if it was quite long or two years. Okay. And then, then Dr. Wan focused on using like the four gates. Uh-huh. Oh, to he, like remedy the channel confusion. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then also he found still, even though she had this chronic issue for a couple of years, she still had a lot of sensitivity at like GB20 or... Mm -hmm. And I, I would say her condition improved, but it didn't. It wasn't completely resolved, but, but it did mm -hmm. get better, right? But it wasn't like she still had the process. Mm -hmm. But I think like that's uh, a complication in China. Like, and the patient I saw to a couple of years, a year ago or two years ago, she also had also received local fire needling on her face mm -hmm. immediately after getting facial paralysis, mm -hmm. and that's just chronic. Um, just chronic, and, yeah. And she also, she got better with treatments, but she still has like, like it was visible, but less visible. Like, like mm -hmm. people, friends who hadn't seen her for six months or so, they'd be like, oh, your face, your mouth looks different. You know, it's not as, mm -hmm. you know, like rigid in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but she also, even though she had this thing, this issue for like two, three years, also she still had this occipital kind of pain region. Oh, she did? Yeah, yeah. Like a GB20. Huh. So. Uh-huh. So then what did you do? Like with the pain still there at GB20, like did you do local needling then or I just you still did, stayed away from it? Yeah, I just did distal points like, uh, mm -hmm. I think it was like uh, maybe like a Yaming point and a Shaoyang point and then just the point on the neck like GB20. Mm -hmm. And I think I did do 14 because she always had like aversion to cold. And, uh -huh. and then, right, yeah. But then like you were saying, as the pain started to decrease, then I started moving working on the top of the forehead and then working my way down. Mm -hmm. um, 
Um, yeah, I think for me too, like, you know, just speaking of, of the local needling, like I think also to really keep in mind, like Dr. Wong's sort of like idea about like the spaces that the points rely or reside in, right? So like the really careful palpation of points on the face um, and really feeling where like those layers of like skin and fascia like get stuck together in really chronic Bell's palsy. So it's almost like the skin doesn't move on its own, like it kind of like, you know, the whole forehead will kind of move at, as one piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so that also helps, um, I guess, helped me understand how to even needle locally. Like you're really trying to like recover the spaces so that good f- circulation, like good fluids can flow into the face, facial muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it affected like how you, I don't know, it helped me like locate points and also how to needle the points, like with that intention of like opening up the spaces. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah, just very careful palpation of all the areas where like a process on the face, like where the those facial creases are or cheek creases mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do the internal uh, oh, like the needle, threading? threading in the mouth? Yeah. You, you do uh, that? Yeah. I did it. Uh, yeah. Again, like I, don't, I haven't had that many patients, but I have done it to try to like, um, yeah, sort of like four towards like seven. Yeah. Stomach four, right? Yeah. 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 Um, just like through the cheek to try to remedy like, uh, like actually the patient I just mentioned, like, you know, being able to yeah. like retain air when you puff up your cheeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I did that one on that one chronic patient with like the, the internal, right. Internally into the, the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Internal and yeah, right, like stomach four from the inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she had like, yeah, similar to what you're saying. Also, she had like food would get stuck in that area on the left, uh-huh. the affected side. Yeah. yeah. Or and like health. the patient might like chew, like bite their yeah. cheek by accident a lot mm-hmm. on that the affected side. Yeah. And it did help. That's like great. it was pretty it was I was I was like, yeah, like it worked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, for that yeah. one patient, you know, that I use it on. But because we saw Dr. Wan use it a lot, right? And like Yeah. Um, when you did it uh, that that point on stomach four internally, um, how did you describe to the patient what you're going to do? Um, I guess I just said that you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, I I don't know that I described it too much, but I said you know I'm going to try to uh, just uh, um, like I kind of talk about it sort of as like a waking up the channel a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and so. I don't know. Sometimes I think we don't have to tell too much patients exactly what we're doing. <laughs> Unless like, I mean, if they ask me, I'll tell them, but if it, it feels like it's not going to, you know, or it might make them nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually I remember Dr. Wong did it on my face and it's oh. not very painful. Like right, if you're right. in the right space, it's actually, um, uh, I don't remember feeling much there. So. Mm-hmm. Do you wear gloves or when you, uh, or do you, yeah. how do you, do you just, are you just power? Yeah, I think, cause I can actually support my hand from the outside um, as I'm threading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you do? Did you wear gloves? No, I don't think so. I just, yeah, I think the same way. I just kind of grabbed like that. And yeah. Yeah. Stuck it in. And then, and you just, we just retained the needle, right? For like. Yeah. Like for the, the duration. Yeah. yeah. And he was fine with the needle sticking out of his mouth. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I think what people, especially with like chronic Bell's palsy, I think, you know, like you're, uh, I mean, I like, 
you know, it's kind of like you've tried so many things already and yeah. you're, you're kind of willing to, you know, do what it takes to sort of improve the movement in your face. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, um, and in New York, is, I guess, uh, how many, is, is it common to see facial paralysis or in general? Or? Yeah, not really. And I think, um, like, in some ways it's a shame, right, because I think patients... Um, aren't aware that Chinese medicine has a lot to offer, you know, so like I think people with Bell's palsy, they're going to immediately call, you know, I guess their primary care person or see a neurologist. Um, so I, I feel like by the time, again, like it's only been a handful of people, but by the time they find someone like me, you know, the, it's already kind of in the chronic stages. So I don't know, maybe maybe it's worth it to do some like outreach and like let people know what Chinese medicine has to offer for Bell's That's palsy. true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it getting cold there in Beijing now? Um, yeah. It's starting to get much colder. Like there's a sudden drop in temperature and tonight we're going to have those, those heavy winds you we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, the frigid like winds from like, guess the Mongolian highlands or what do you call it? Yeah. 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 From the desert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know they're no joke. Like it really, and maybe something about the wide Beijing streets, like the way like it comes down those big avenues. Like, yeah. yeah. And really people are, are outdoors more, right? Like you're riding bicycles more, you're like, mm -hmm. like for transport, just normal everyday transportation, right? Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's quite common. Well, maybe it's, it seems like it's common just because we see it. In the acupuncture clinics here a lot. So like I almost wish I could see more of these kinds of cases because like Dr. Wong had such clarity when he approached the cases, right? Mm -hmm. I I wish I could see more of that. Yeah, his approach to just like not only doing distal palpation, but palpation of like the neck region, the cipital region, that area around the mastoid process, that area. Mm -hmm. And also mm -hmm. doing channel differentiation too, right? Like because you can clearly mm -hmm. find is it like a yaming issue? Is it a shaoyang? Is it a taiyang? Mm -hmm. Just by palpation mm -hmm. of the neck or, you know, the head region. Mm -hmm. And then just using that, like, not only like a distal point, like Sandro 5 or whatever, or Sandro 4, or large nesting 4, or something like that. Yeah. But then that local point in the neck and just kneeling that. And then the patient, you know, by the next treatment already is showing improvement. Yeah. Yeah. And even needling, like when he did that with like GB20, like in the acute stages, like even needling it with a very specific sort of like needle, mm -hmm. um, stimulation right like trying to warm it up mm -hmm. and like you know kind of like let the sensation spread i mean obviously in clinic it takes you know more careful palpation and yeah. um uh and even just assessing you know the patient's overall constitution right like yeah. their tongue and pulse and what the other channels feel like will also inform you like what you need to do right because like for channel differentiation it could be like you were saying it could be a taiyang issue it could be a shaoyang it could be yaming could be even be like a drain or so on and so forth. Like a lot of the channels yeah. could be involved yeah. with it. Um, but yeah, this is another, uh, you know, situation where also like, you know, just trust your palpation, you mm -hmm. know, because I, I remember even with Dr. Wong, like sometimes, you know, sometimes when you palpate the neck, you're not sure, like it could be Xiaoyang mm -hmm. and Taiyang a little bit, but choose one course of treatment. Um, and then, and then if it doesn't work, then you can shift gears, but to not, you know, I think the, the, you know, the tendency or the sort of like um, the desires, like you want to help your patient so badly. So you're like, okay, well then I'll do LI6 and I'll do Sanjiao 5 and maybe this and that. And, 
Um, but instead to, you know, if you can sort of like um, keep yourself from doing that and just like trusting sort of one, one direct approach. So. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, um, thanks again, Nisa, for talking about facial paralysis, talking about channel theory, nerding out about yeah. <laughs> on channel theory. <laughs> Always happy to talk about channel theory. Right. It's nice seeing you and talking to you. Bye. Bye.